You're tuning in to Pastar Prime, a show powered by Squad Locker. Here are your hosts, retired Astros minor league star Tip Fairchild and former Patriots All-Pro Center Dan Copen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pastar Prime. I'm Dan. That's Tip. Coming at you. Coming at you. It's a good day. It's happy holidays, right? Christmas coming up really soon. Little little festive gear, time with the family, presents, Santa Claus. Lots going deal. on. How was you your got week? young kids. I'm yeah, telling you, it's game time it's right busy. now. It's busy. How, busy. Was your, how was your week? Good week. Uh, quick weight loss thing at 235. Still lots more to come on that. We actually brought a scale into the room, so we might do some live weigh-ins. That's coming. We need to pay attention, though, because both of us aren't doing too well with this. No. Um, Blame it on that. I actually had a listener that sent us a message that said, I'll give you $10 to do the before and afters. And then I had another person, uh, that was Paul, uh, another person came in and said, I'll give you $100 not to do them. I Don't actually, take your shirt I'd, off. I matched that. I ma- <laughs> yeah, matched that advertising or you know, you that said, piece it, of the pie exactly. not to take a picture with my shirt it's, off. The show's made $200 so far then, Max. So keep that, keep that as a mental note. So we're still negative. We're still, yeah, we're still, we're still in the red. We're still in the red. Okay. We're still in the red. But, but I tell you, out. we're getting some good response. I know that uh, we've got an awesome interview today with Matt Light, one of Dan's offensive linemen with the yeah. Patriots. Left tackle, mm-hmm. 11 years, great football player, great player. Uh, storyteller. Good, good, yeah. Great voice. He, you know what? I mean, we talk about teams and being a part of teams and being around those guys and the bonds that you, you form when you're on those teams that never go away. That's like example A. That's it. I could feel it just talking to him as he's going through things. You could tell that's a guy that you go into the foxhole with. Absolutely. Like he goes to bat for you, whether it's on the field or off the field. Yep. He's going to bat for you. You could tell that. And it, it, it shows in the interview for sure. Um, the Patriots are not in the playoffs. The Bills won the AFC East. Are you a Bills fan now? Oh, I'm a Bills fan. I'm a Bills mafia <laughs> now. I'm a Tampa Bay You're fan. You're a Josh for, Allen fan? I'm a Tampa Bay fan now with Brady down there. But, I mean, it's this this one hurt for the Pats. What's, what, what's, your, uh, what's your perspective on the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady thing? You know, I, hey, they, everybody wants to know, was it Bill or was it Tom? As well, an I, outside, as a fan, yep. you know, your whole life growing up, how do you see that now? It's – I've always thought it's the player more than the coach because they're actually on the field. But the preparation with Belichick and everything is unbelievable. I just, you know, he played like the past our prime thing. Yeah. You know, like so to to what a what a what a drop that was right there, Max. Right. But like it was, he was thinking Brady's past the prime. I don't think he quite is. But I mean, when Brady was in his prime, it had to have been him and a combination of the coaching. I, well, I think you got to give Belichick have- a big a good good quarterback maybe one more time and maybe that's Every, what he's waiting for right everybody needs so you take a yeah. look at the nfl right now and the bad teams everybody needs a good quarterback to be successful right no so, question i mean that's that that's number one need and if Trevor you're looking Lawrence in the draft out. or what yeah and the jets just lost <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the jets fans are happy that you lose or you win mm-hmm. but then they realize now they're in second place for getting trevor lawrence which um as a fan i get your frustration mm-hmm uh, as a player, though, you play to win, so I'm, you know, I'm sure those guys are happy. They don't give a shit about getting Trevor Lawrence. That's right. You know, they're yep. they're looking to win football games. They're looking to extend their careers, find that next contract. Yep. They want to go out and perform well in the field. So where, right. where they're drafting has no impact on how they go out and play a game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But I can understand the fan fan. Oh, the fans were upset. They're upset. Yeah, the fans were upset about. But with that one. Bill and you know Tom, it was like the perfect union. You have the best quarterback. Going all through time. his whole career age-wise. The best football player with the all best time football with, mind. with the best football coach all time, yep. which is probably – not probably. It's another reason why you won't see this dominance that the Pat- Patriots had for yep. the last de- two decades. I agree. You know, what are the chances those two best of all times, mm-hmm. two goats. Same time. Being the same two time. Two Goliaths. Yeah, perfect storm. And, and they just play well off the field. Yep. You know, they, uh, they, they were not – you know, Bill doesn't give a shit about, you know, getting – great reviews in the media and oh, saying, yeah. oh, I'm a great guy. I, I prefer this over winning football games. Insta chat and snap face. Brady wasn't looking that for one. that, you know, next 400, 500 million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. He was taking, he was taking team friendly deals so he could mm-hmm. put more around him because he knew 
if Bill had more to work with, they were going to be more successful. He had more money to buy nice gifts for Christmas or for the holidays for all of his teammates, which we just saw. He got the new glasses uh, for everybody. Yeah, but um, so, so baseball's about- different. Where I've seen everybody for 162 <laughs> games at, around Christmas time, we don't want to talk to anybody. We are trading a lot of uh, um, what do we what do we call them? You know the the family cards, the uh, the, cards. The, the the greeting cards, right at the end of the the greeting cards, we're sending to everybody. And now I get them, and it's Your always Christmas hilarious. Card? Christmas cards, yes. Why, 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 why are we sending greeting cards? Is it called a greeting card? Greeting card? Merry greeting card? I mean, generally, it's Happy a New Year card? Like, it's greeting, Christmas card. Like, we'll call it a Christmas card. When I go to CVS, I'm going to find the greeting, greeting cards, card. Okay. right? But I want to, I want, if I want around this time of year, I want a particular Christmas, Christmas card. Christmas card. Okay, so a Christmas card. family so we, Christmas card. So we send the family Christmas cards out. Now you get on the group text where you send it to your buddy that you played for five years with, and he puts it on his fridge and puts, like, a tack through your head, you know? Or, <laughs> or like, my favorite is cutting out a picture of... My buddy, and then putting my face on his family's one, right? And then send it back. So there's all, like, that busting that goes on. So there's not really many gifts. On your side, though, there's gifts. Gifts. What's the best, you know, what's the the nicest gift for the line? You know, or? Our quarterbacks, and this will actually be a good follow-up after this. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, you might know him. He's a quarterback in the league. He would give the offensive line – some receivers, probably two tight ends, Christmas gifts every year. Um, Ugg boots, you know, were a staple mm-hmm. because I think, you know, he has a sponsorship with them yep. at one point. So I don't think I really include that in the conversation with gifts that he actually paid for. I'm pretty sure Ugg just, hey, how many do yeah, you want? Yeah, what sizes so, do you need? Yeah, give me the size <laughs> breakdown. You know, if he called Squad Locker, we could take care of that size thing. That's and just right. send yeah, them, absolutely. you know, directly to the customer. It probably, it probably would have been better for him. Easier. Uh, but the best gift that he, he, you know, he gave really good gifts. Um, gave a couple watches, really nice mm-hmm. watches. One of them was, didn't he do, he did one with um, his own brand or his own line. Um, oh, he had the Movado watch. Movado. I, I own it. Do you, I have, do the, you have the, it? I have the Brady 800 series watch. I got the Apple watch on today, but it's my watch I've worn all the time. My wife got it for me for an engagement present. Oh, that's nice. Wear it all the time. It's a nice watch. Love it. Kevlar. Yeah, the Kevlar band. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's got the twelve on the inside. Yeah, yeah, perfect watch. One of my favorite all time. So you got those? Those we got, are watch. we got. We got that one year. Um, we got a Panerai one year, which is mm-hmm. a really nice watch. And I wasn't a watch guy before. I couldn't afford them. Mm-hmm. One, um, and didn't really know anything else besides Timex. <laughs> so when he gave us the, the, pan- the one that has the, no, he, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 I know the watch that you had. You had the one with a calculator on it. No, <laughs> the Casio. The Casio. The oh yeah, yeah. The full Growing up, yeah, I definitely yeah, had a Casio. I graduated to a Timex. Yeah. Um, he gave us a Panerai one year first, early on in my career. Um, really nice watch. That sort of got me into watches. Uh, so thank you for that, yeah. Tom. Um, gave us credit cards one year. <laughs> Just Amer- an open, Amer- um, open limit yeah, credit card. American Express, like. Six five hundred dollar credit cards or something that which is was, great because it's like a gift card. You well, can buy, I was gonna say, go out and buy whatever you want. I was gonna say, is it like supermarket sweep? He's like, this is active for two hours. No, they, no, there was <laughs> an expiration. Go. There was an there, expiration. All right, it wasn't two hours. <laughs> yeah, but actually, I think you prepay for those anyway, so you're out the money regardless. Okay, well, so good. I mean, that's a good gift. Get lease, what you need. Lease on a car one year, an Audi. Wow, it was nice. Took care of you. He did, and wow. you, you know what that. Taking care of you. So 2008, and I'm going to throw somebody on the bus here, under mm-hmm. the bus. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem about it because we've openly discussed this throughout the locker room and over the years mm-hmm. about this gift not being presented to five offensive linemen. Matt Castle started in 2008 because of a knee injury to Tom, knee injury to Tom Brady, right? Oh, no gift. What did he do after that year? He was franchised. Uh-huh. Oh, he had a big year. And then traded wise, and right? then traded yeah. to Kansas City on like a five year thirty three million dollar deal. I forget. Yeah. Maybe that enough was, to get a nice gift. Maybe that thirty three was what was guaranteed. Not even the tip, you know, the tip of the iceberg on what he could have made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did he get us? Five lowly offensive linemen oh, that no. helped him oh, no. to an eleven and five record. Granted, we missed the playoffs. A new contract, a new life. Mm-hmm. What did he get us? It was like, <laughs> don't tell me it was nothing. 
nothing. <laughs> I was at least hoping a gift card, like know, Barnes and Noble or something. No, I, I would have even taken a cup of coffee at Panera Bread or something. <laughs> there you go. Just give yep. me a gift certificate, something like that, to mm. say, hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate all the work you did all year. This contract that I have, yeah. you guys had something to do oh, with it. Oh, they had a I, big I thing to do with it. I talked to him two weeks ago, and it's still, hey, still waiting for our gift castle. Uh, we'll get him on. We'll bring that up. Oh, we're going to talk to him. We got we to gotta milk him for something for you. He, he still owes you, I think, right? There's, there's no doubt he still, okay. he still owes about six people. So Matt, like, coming up on an interview, uh, prankster. He's a, He's a prankster. He has some good ones, and these guys have some good prank stories that they're going to go through. But it led me to talk about here for a couple minutes, you know, some pranks that we had on the baseball side too because you guys had some crazy ones, and, and you'll you'll hear it on the interview. Um, my favorite, uh, pine tar on the inside of the hat brim. So, what does that do? <laughs> pine tar or eye black. You take it, you put it on the inside of the hat. You can't see it. So people put the hat on, yeah. and then they take the hat off, and there's just a gigantic black strip on their forehead that they don't know is there, right? Yeah. That's one of my favorite. Another How one, often does this get done? Oh, it's probably every day. Okay. Yeah, so like, it's, there's something every day. Another favorite of mine is lighting did the you shoe go, on fire. Did, did you, every time you grab a hat, do you check it? Oh, now? absolutely. Every I time. still do. Every time. Oh, yeah, I still okay. do, absolutely. You've got the red hot on the inside of the jock strap thing. That'll ruin your day. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're in the shower a couple of times. That's you don't do that to somebody that's about to take the field to play. That's somebody who's like gonna go sit like in you know on we, the bench. Is red? We we used to do the icy hot. Is, is oh, red, red hot better? There's three levels of of like there's red hot. There's, uh, there's three like there's three levels of ball fire right now. There's there's infern there. It's Kramer makes the product. We might be able to plug a picture in maybe Max or they could follow it on the Instagram uh, pa- at past our prime show. You know, which is, uh, we'll put up a picture of the Kramer Red Hot. It's like Red Hot, Inferno, something. There's three There's three levels of this, and it gets hot. <laughs> when you get a bum elbow, that's what you load up with to see if you can get that thing loose other than stretching. But So you add that, and then you've got one of my all-time favorites is when you're a starting pitcher, as I mentioned last time, you're a lot of time in the bleachers <laughs> no. or in the dugout. Everybody leans against a railing in the dugout. So, you know, guys will stand there for like six innings sometimes, just, you know, spitting seeds or, you know, doing whatever, tobacco or whatever. So you take something and you light a fire on their shoe. (laughs) (laughs) And so you basically set a fuse, you know, with either. Didn't I see that in Mr. Baseball? You've probably seen it on something, I'm sure. Or Major League? We used to do this. It's absolutely been on a movie, but this is just a real-life thing all the time. You put something on the shoe, you light it on fire, (laughs) and all of a sudden their foot is legit on fire in the dugouts. That's that's a great prank, and we've got some guys that have done some big ones where guys' pants, polyester (laughs) pants, like catch flames, and you got to throw, like, you know, Gatorade, preferably uh, lemon-lime color on it. Any fights? Um, any fights because of it? Not, not really fights. I mean, you got like. Did uh, you have? The, did you ever have? Did you ever have that one guy on the team that is just like an too ass, much? Just an asshole. Yeah, he just, doesn't take ribbing well. He doesn't take jokes well. Even though you're just doing it for fun and everybody, it's for part of the team. Everybody has that. Time. Remember, 162 game, a lot of games, right? Everybody's going to be that person, at least one game. Yep. Right, like I, I was that person one game too. Oh, you yeah. have a bad start, something happens. You're just like, I'm not in the mood for it right now, right? But, you know, there were some guys that were a little too serious. Maybe they were that serious three days a week. Everybody had a little bit of a soft side though, where they would, you know, they blow the bubble and put it on the hat. That's another great prank. You blow a gigantic bubble with with a <laughs> bubble <laughs> or uh, or a big league shoe. And you blow it and you pinch it together so it's got this huge bow looks like a balloon. And then you just lightly touch it on top of their hat and it just stays there. And it might be there for like three innings. And then they got a balloon on top of their hat. So oh, you baseball players are crazy. A lot, of, a lot of good pranks. I mean, you guys did some some different ones and we'll hear them soon. Yeah, we don't want to um, get into the ones that Light uh, Light was kind enough to oh, yeah. explain to us. But, it, yeah, we did the same thing. You know, it, it was... We we didn't get into this one. The worst one, and it actually wasn't light because light usually was the ringleader around this. We actually stuck a pig's head in the guys' lockers. So so all of yours seemed to take place non during the game time. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. The baseball ones happen 
as pitches are being thrown, things are happening like this. So you guys took it to another level where – was there anything happened during the game? A pig's head in the lockers is kind of a scary deal. Well, I mean, technically, if you if you planned it out well enough, you could get a ball boy or someone in, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the uh, training room or something like that too. Hey, can you just go take this pig's head I randomly have in my car and just throw it in his locker? Um, so the pig's head, mm-hmm. you know, made its way around the locker room, made its way into the coach's locker room too. Um, mm-hmm. which was always fun when you start messing with them. If, One you mess, more. if you mess with the coaches, though, you've got to be in a spot where you know your job's safe. Oh, you got to have, like in baseball, you, you better have thrown three or four uh, complete game shutouts in a row. Yeah, and have a low ERA to be able to do that, and then you're okay, Definitely. you know, or you're just absolutely raking. There's the word again for you, Dan. Hey, I know what that um, is. Or as a pitcher, you call it shoving. Like that's called shoving or carving. Carving is when you're pitch. You know, you're just they're raking. not raking. They're not raking against you yeah. when you're carving or shoving. So I got it. Uh, the one more animal story: Midland, Odessa. We play down there. They have tarantulas down there. I'm terrified of spiders. Right. I, whenever I, it rains, any normal person is. <laughs> whenever it rains, during the water during the rain delays, uh, water actually washes down the water spout like the nursery rhyme, yeah. and the tarantulas literally come out. No, terrifying. Right. Yeah. Have a guy Eli Orge on the team. I'm on the team. Like we're both terrified of spiders. Guys, put them in these glass things. Put them in the locker. They're big, big tarantulas. Yeah. Put them in the locker, like you know. They open up the locker after. Go grab your wallet. Go grab that's your phone. Up. And there's that's a tarantula in a, in a jug, right there. I mean, it's caused like panic attacks before. <laughs> it's not a fun thing. So I hated going that, to Midland, Odessa. That but. is, that's completely yeah. messed up. But well, Light's going to tell a story, and just at the end, back in Matt Castle got blamed for it, mm-hmm. and he's got his tires removed Ooh. from his car. So the moral of the story is one: you don't mess with coaches. Mm-hmm. If you are in fear of losing your job and you don't mess with FU money. Oh, yeah. So if yeah. you are going to a guy that <laughs> earns X, <laughs> amount, that X amount of dollars above <laughs> you or X amount of dollars that they don't care about, yep. be prepared mm. to get retribution oh, yeah. in full. Yep. Because uh, so money gotta, doesn't matter. You've got to be strategic. You've got to plan out and you've got to be smart with, with your pranks. But pranks are a part of the locker room. Um, and there's stories and memories in there mm. that will last a lifetime. Those are the ones that you don't need to talk to a guy for 10 years, and you'll start laughing again immediately yeah. when you start talking about the prank. So oh, you got to get a, you got to get a good one, and Light's a good one. Next week, mm-hmm. we're going to come up. We're going to listen to this interview. Uh, we're going to play this interview with Light. Next week, you have something fun. We've got a quick spelling bee coming up in next week's episode with um, for the we, new year. And... We have a big bet Who's that gonna, we're going to tease right now. Do you we're think gonna tell you're going to win? Do you think you're going to beat me? Uh, I, if I could write it down, yes, but I can't write it down. We're going off the cuff, off okay. the top of the head. So that's coming up, you know, along with some other stories and everything else that we have here. There is a big bet to it, and we're going to post it on the Instagram at Past Our Prime Show. Uh, it involves some pain, and we're going to do it live on air. So we're going to go to Matt Light now. Awesome interview, and we'll talk to you soon. We are fortunate enough to have Matt Light joining the program right now, and uh, he's a, uh, a close personal friend of mine. He is the favorite son of Greenville, Ohio. Mm. If you don't know where that is, that's in Ohio. I, well, I couldn't pinpoint it on a map, probably. Okay. But, it, it's yeah. close, close mm-hmm. to Dayton. Purdue University went there as a tight end, and I have a question on the back end of this, but this guy is a Patriots Hall of Famer, 11-year NFL vet. Patriots 50th anniversary team, Patriots all-decade team, all-dynasty team, three-time Pro Bowl selection, starting left tackle for TB12 for 11 years, and one hell of a model American, Matt Light. I I mean, that that is a lot, a lot of uh, accolades for you, Mr. Light. And what isn't showing up here is on Wikipedia – your senior year, you, you you were recruited to Purdue as a tight end. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Your senior year, you had four catches for 75 yards and one tight, one touchdown. How is that possible? Like, how bad was Purdue at that point <laughs> where they needed to go after a guy who only caught four passes in his senior year? It's a... 
Actually, that's a great question and a statistic that I didn't know myself. Because um, <laughs> you'd have to catch more balls in order to know how many you caught. I mean, four. I mean, how many I, I played soccer, Dan, right? And I might have had more catches. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had more hey, yards. Listen, here's the deal, right? So I was always an offensive lineman. And by the way, in, in your very nice intro, you I mean, forgot you, to say. You deserved all the, everything, all the credit you got and all those. Mm-hmm. You deserved it. But maybe well, you, you maybe maybe mention, you didn't deserve to go to Purdue. No, I no, I definitely didn't. Not not from where I came from and the work that I put into getting to that point. So, but you forgot to mention the fact that I had one hell of an offensive center. I mean, we did play together. Yes. No. I mean, well, this is the chumminess. Here it comes already. You know, this I, is the bond. We usually it's don't. Already we usually don't talk this nicely to each other. So yeah, I'm I feel to weird. The point where. You know, you know, I, I think we had a good community. We had a good rapport. We worked well yeah. together. Um, we're going to talk about some stories uh, that we had or that I remember um, that Mr. Light was probably the lead dog on a lot of these things. Mm. But there's one thing that that I, I remember early on is your first interaction with Dante Scarnecchia, the legendary offensive line coach for the uh, New England Patriots coach there. 30, 35 years, 39 years. We had them our whole careers. But can you just tell people what your first interaction with Dante was? Yeah, um, and I know what you're referring to. Um, I realize, like, there, there are certain things that I do have in the in the realm of, like, awareness. Like, I, I miss a lot of things. There's a lot of things that fly right over my head. There's a lot of things I'm not very good at, but... I picked up right away that this Dante Scarnecchia guy was really serious about the rules that he laid out in our first meeting. And one of those rules, he said, you're never, don't ever fall asleep in my meeting. If you do, I'll kill you. Or something to that effect, basically. (laughs) Fall asleep in my meeting and I'll kill you. Now, he wasn't speaking directly to me, but as the new guy, I was paying attention and I'm thinking, seems a little harsh. And I fall asleep all the time if i'm not actively participating matter of fact if you guys go on talking about things or if cope goes on another long you know rant of like <laughs> you're just gonna fade just off. doze off or anything else i'll probably fall asleep but i said to myself i need to let this cat know that i got a problem so i walk up and i'm like hey coach um just want to let you know that i have narcolepsy and i tend to fall asleep <laughs> were you ever diagnosed like, or are you just making this up no i mean I firmly believe that. I mean, I was the guy that before that meeting, even on 495, within days of coming out to New England, I fell asleep in my car and hit an orange barrel doing like 90 on 95 South. I mean, like, yeah. I, I just fall we asleep. We got a sleeping problem. He has a sleeping disorder. It's a yeah. problem. Yeah, it's a bit of a problem. So I tell coach, I say, hey, look, I got narcolepsy or I just had, you know, the inability to stay awake at certain times. I don't want to be disrespectful, but I just wanted to let you know. And his, he literally immediately looked at me and was like, you're not going to fall asleep in my meeting, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Did, did, now, I didn't just... Did it happen? Oh, God, yeah. All the it happened? Like, he, did they turn the heat up in the room? I don't you know. You know, like they turn the heat up to like 85, so you start to doze off. It's like the... <laughs> You know, like when, the torture you, rooms. when you came in, did you were you able to pick your seat? Because he actually, we had three rows in the offensive line meeting where the room that we met. Scar was in the back row, toward in the middle of the room. Light's chair was right in front of his. So even if he did fall asleep, hmm. you know, I mean, Scar's the not going to be able to see it because he's not in front of him. He's not in the side. He's directly behind him. I was oh, I, I was directly next to Scar, so I would just sit there, and all I'd have to do is look to my right, and sure enough, head, Light's head is just sitting there bobbing <laughs> up and down. Looks <laughs> like an apple. Yeah, he's like, oh, Light's falling asleep again. I had an amazing ability, though. I, I learned, I perfected the art of sleeping without the head bob. I could literally sit there, and and, and I also had the ability to hear my name when called on. <laughs> You, had us, you, you were doing no osmosis. What, what was said? You were doing osmosis. Yeah. Before right, it was cool. Right. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to get off, and this is a great story, and, and team guys, obviously there were a lot of pranks, but before you were able to be that prank guy, you had to play in your first football game. And that first football game for you was in your home state of Ohio. You had a bunch of family, a bunch of friends coming up to the game. 
did you start? Were, uh, back that up. Were you, were you there's supposed... There's an inside were, joke yes, coming again you, here. There's some, I mean, there's some does, type of inside this line. This does not <laughs> happen. This does not happen to... 99% of the people in the league or anybody, you're getting your first NFL career start. You know this. Everybody's going to the game. You're scheduled to start. <laughs> oh, so he told what? everybody that he's starting. Oh, no, he knew he was starting. Okay, and I'm sure he, right. like, he's practicing okay. first game of the year, whatever it is. He knew he was starting. What happened that game? Well, so I was. I was, you know, Bill tried me in, in training camp early on. And this is back in the days where uphill both ways in the snow no shoe i mean we were down at bryant college it was mm -hmm. miserable mosquito infested bryant college is a great school but good catch if you're a, if you're practicing it's <laughs> miserable because you're walking all over campus mosquitoes are eating you alive and anyway you know bill tried me at right tackle i failed miserably he moves me back to the left side we're getting ready for the season opener and i've got literally two buses leaving my hometown bringing my family and everybody I know basically down to watch me for my first start in the NFL. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And the night before the game, I went to go meet some friends of mine uh, in Cincinnati. We stayed this just seems, across the river. This seems like a no, no. Oh no. It just doesn't get better. You're fairly safe doing this most of the time. But in this instance, I got stuck where all the major interstates go to cross the Ohio River because a semi literally jackknifed and the front end of this tractor-trailer rig was hanging off a bridge. And I didn't move for three hours. And I knew, like my heart, like for anybody that's ever been late to an important meeting or had one of those moments, like you know you're dead. Like, yeah. like. Oh yeah, but it, it's not well, even with anybody. It's with like Belichick. Who yeah, I, I would have been like, calling hey, a, it doesn't a even helicopter. Matter, it doesn't even matter if it's up. three feet of snow. If you don't get to work or you're not on time, there's no excuse. So I can't even imagine mm. what was going through his mind. Uh, I'm terrified so to hear the rest. I called Andrewsy and I said, "Hey Joe, what do I do?" And he's like, "Just get here as quickly as you can." Finally, the traffic breaks up. They start releasing it. I fly into the parking lot. My buddies. Oh, I took my friend's car. And I left in the parking lot and I run in the door and they're already well into Bill's highlight reel of what he, his expectations are for the next day. And so I kind of find my way into the back. And at the end of the meeting, we break off and the offensive line gets together. And I remember after that meeting, Dante looked at me and was like, what is the problem with you? And I'm like, coach, I, I can't even explain it. It's a crazy thing happened. And I tell him and he just shakes his head and walks away. And I'm thinking, Wow, that went a lot better than I thought. Well, the next day, you know, we go through, it was a one o'clock start. We go through the pregame stuff. We get to the stadium, um, start going through all the stretching, hit the field, come back in the locker room, and it's go time. And Bill literally at that point, having not said a thing, walks up to me and he's like, I mean, look, like, I mean, you know. I'm, I'm, I can't start a guy that can't show up on time. I mean, what the? I mean, what are we doing? I mean, just just sit back and watch how this game's played, basically. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my whole family's out here, and I'm not even going to go on the field and do anything. So it was a bit of a uh, awkward moment to uh, have that conversation. Like my mom's like, I told you, Matthew, you can't be doing those things. Mm, how was it? How was it? A, a tough start. <clears throat> how was the dinner the night before? Did you have a good time? <laughs> I had a great time. I had yeah. a great time until I got stuck on a daggone bridge for three hours. Oh, that's I can't believe Bill just came up to you before the game, though. Didn't even let you know the night before when you actually committed the crime. Yeah, I thought I got away with it. I was like, this is amazing. I I, I, I won. You might remember the meal. I'd remember the meal probably in that situation that I had the night before. He's a fat you know. offensive lineman. I'm pretty sure he remembers the meal. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. not many meals that we forget. Yeah, <laughs> you don't miss yeah. many. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the other thing, Matt, like, look, you're not a big guy. Like for we, we so many left tackles in the league and you know, six four, six five, six six, three hundred and twenty pounds. You weren't that type of guy. So how did you stick around for eleven years playing that position, going against guys like Freeney and Schobel and Jason Taylor? Um, you know, being being a smaller smaller dude. I mean, there there's no two ways about it. You didn't have the reach that a bunch of guys had, you didn't have the weight that a bunch of guys had. 
and it, quite frankly, you may not even been a fan of football growing up. How 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 did you stick around? You know, I think for me, um, I just hate losing. Right? Like I, I love to compete, but I think for me, the competition isn't so much. You know, to be perfect in everything that I did, I just didn't like to lose. So. You know, I think the the atmosphere in New England and and the the Belichick coaching style and and the things that he demanded of us and and you know you know you know what it's like week in and week out with a guy like him, but that really drove me to take my game to another level, right? Like I think if I would have went to a team that was mediocre that didn't you know put as much effort in, I would have probably played down to that level, but because you know, I got a coach that's demanding and they ask a lot out of us and it's competition every week, mm-hmm. even in practice where a lot of teams were just kind of going through the motions and saving it for Sunday. Um, it, it made me become a better player. And, you know, we had Dante Scarnecchia, who, I mean, for all the offensive line coaches that have ever coached the game, I think he will always stand out as somebody that did it his way, a very unique way, not a way that we always agreed with, but got the best out of the players that he had in that room. So I think the system helped me a lot in that, in that situation. Yeah. You, you, you said it. I mean, you guys always didn't get along. You guys were button heads a lot. How, how, how is your relationship now? And did, cause you didn't let it, you didn't let it affect anybody else on the line. You were, you were one of the leaders on the offensive line. Whatever you had going with Scar, we could always tell there was maybe tension at some points, but you didn't let it infiltrate the, the rest of the offensive line. Was it, was it really shaky at some points during your career? Or, and, and then how is it now? Yeah, you know, I mean, there was one moment, and I know you remember this, where Dante didn't speak to me for one <laughs> whole year. And matter of fact, I was gonna say, he would refer was gonna say to a week. me <laughs> I think... on film as the left tackle, would never say my name. And he, I think, even asked you, Cope, to be like, all right, Cope, tell the left tackle that he sucked on this play because <laughs> this is the worst I've ever seen. And, I mean, I, I actually kind of enjoyed that season, as weird as that may sound, but – you know, we we had we had one big moment where we butted heads like openly. I mean, you know, like you, you have little things that happen, and you you you'll go to the coach and you'll say something, or or he'll just use you as an example, and it kind of really pisses you off, and you wish he hadn't done that, and you may not, you know, talk to him for a little while. But that one moment in time it was probably the worst we ever had. It outside of that. Most of it was very professional, very businesslike. No. You know, it was really the atmosphere. And I would say now in retirement, I look back on it and I actually cherish those moments because I find myself pushing the people around me and probably being the Dante Scarnecchia of the offensive line meeting, you know, with, with the team that I have, whether it's the work we do through the foundation or my own for you know, for-profit businesses. And it's like, I can see, I mean, you know, Dante had to put up with a whole bunch of idiots like me <laughs> for a long time. Well, that's so, what I was going to say, Dan. So there's like, uh, you know, there's this offensive line bond, I feel like. Oh, it, I'm strong. learning I'm learning about it, you know. So so I don't know if Dan had told you, I, I played for five years in the minor leagues, right? Banged around. Like, there's this starting pitcher bond. Like, so I was a starting pitcher all the time. There's a bullpen bond. You know, the guys in the bullpen are tapped. You know, like there's like these little clicks. Yeah, I heard they do some crazy shit. Oh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. But there's this offensive line bond that's got to be even deeper than that, right? I mean, you guys are protecting somebody yeah. like a force, right? Yeah, and I, 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 it's the same throughout the league in every room. So that, I mean, that, it, that line regardless is Regardless if you're in our room bond. or Denver or Tampa right. Bay, whatever, it's the same group, same type of guy. It's, it's a tight bond. Now, is the defensive line bond the same? Dan's already got into the defensive line a couple times. We don't have any defensive line listeners because no. of what he said about them. Well, I just but said they weren't. Is as smart it the as same, us. or no, is it? I, I don't think so. And like, my answer is no. You can back okay. me up on this if, if if you want. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it possibly could be because the defensive line by nature is a much more uh, segmented group. In terms of how they play, I mean, yeah, there's games up front. They have to communicate. They've got things that they need to do. They're around each other a lot. But, 
you know, they are reactive, whereas we are choreographed. Every every movement that we make, we are required to work with someone else on that front, including the tight ends, of course, and the quarterback. So, you know, as an offensive line unit, the the ones that, you know, the, the time that I enjoyed the most was when we, as a unit, did things that went beyond just the game of football. I mean, you know, Coke can tell you, but I mean, we, we had a lot of fun off the field just as much as we did on the field. Matter of fact, I just the other day watched the video from the security camera at the stadium that was on a pole about 20 feet off the ground that showed Copen delivering giant bags of packing peanuts. And matter of fact, to this day, I always tell people, a sedan made by Lexus requires four <laughs> industrial exactly. packing Four industrial size bags, Big bags of packing peanuts to fill it through the sunroof completely. Right yes. through the sunroof, yeah. But in order to get it there, you got to steal keys first and have That's a right. have a mm. moment to get to the car. Yeah, that was a bad day. Who's, so, whose vehicle? So, so whose vehicle it, was it? It may have been Brady's. Okay, <laughs> it's it's very possible yeah. Brady was driving a Lexus at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that Light was definitely the leader of is pranks, and not just short pranks. Oh, like, that's yeah, absolutely. The, the beauty I, I can feel that the already. The beauty about this man is he does not rush perfection. Oh, it might be he, like a year long con. You're saying it oh, could yeah. be a con no, for it, a long time. There, there, there have been pranks involved. Maybe not the Patriots as long, but definitely outside of the facility over a year long for this guy. Mm. And the packing peanut was great because you just thought of it off the whim. I went to UPS store the night before, got those big bags. We we stole Brady's keys, <laughs> and while we were in the, the before we went up to the walkthrough in the club, we filled up the thing, and then we could go to the window and actually look out into the car and just be like, "Oh shit, Tommy! I mean, what's up with your what's up with your car?" <laughs> yep. And who got blamed for that? Castle, yeah, definitely Castle, and he deserved it. So it's the backup quarterbacks and the offensive linemen that are the big pranksters. Are we getting to that? He, is that he's yeah? Well, or is it a specific person? He's a leader, though. So like Matt's the leader of the pranks. Is that accurate? That would be accurate. Okay. Hey, listen. One of my favorite all time, and it and it and it only lasted as long as it did because I actually forgot about it. But one time I put a device in the computer, which was right behind me, because again, as Copen noted. Uh, Dante sat right behind me at the main station and I had a device that I found online and this is back when this stuff was all brand new and nobody really knew about it but it was USB stick and if I put it in the USB drive I could ramp up or slow down the frequency at which his mouse would go absolutely berserk so there was no way to like literally click on something without the mouse like wandering to the left so, side yeah. of the screen. <laughs> he, could, he could adjust the sensitivity of it. And he had no chance. Oh, no chance. And I, I did picture it. it. I, did. I put it in there and I totally forgot about it. And I remember listening to some of the guys watching film because I didn't watch film. I, did, I didn't want to know how good the guy was across from me. So I didn't watch very much film. And I got chastised a lot about that. But anyway... The guys that did watch film, I heard the chatter in the locker room, and they'd be like, "Dude, the you know the the computer system sucks. Every time I'm in there trying to watch film, I can never. It's always wandering around. It's like a it's a very it's a big distraction. And then it, it jogged my memory, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I put that in there." So I started <laughs> ramping it up, and Dante lost his mind at least five or six times, and and had the video crew replace his keyboard, his mouse. I mean, they were about ready to fire the company that created the software. Oh, it was, it was, it yeah. was absolutely priceless because he actually came back in and he's like, "I just remembered, I put that in there. It's still in there, and I'm going to go to town on it right now." And Perfect. Scar was absolutely going nuts. The other one that you did uh, that I will never forget, and I, I, I actually don't know how I kept a straight face the whole time, was the remote control. Oh. The one that shocks you. So he, before the meeting, and no. this may have been <laughs> is during this again, training is this camp. Is again? Oh, yeah, Scar. Oh, he but took he, a beating from you guys. <laughs> Scar, he came in with this remote control, and it looks like a normal, any like, projector, like you control with a projector or anything like that, or a computer, on, off, volume, all that other stuff on there. But in the middle of it, like, it had that big red button. 
So he comes in, he's like, hey, this thing shocks you. I'm going to put it on Scar's desk. But we, the problem with me is if I know what's going to happen, like I, 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 get, I get the giggles. I can't stop yeah. laughing. So I'm sitting right next to Scar, just laughing, looking at that remote right next to him, waiting for him to pick the remote. And light's in front of him, and I can see he's laughing and getting ready for it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he picks up, and it shocks you pretty good. I mean, it's not like something like uh, it, it tingled. It, mm-hmm. it shocks you pretty good. He picks up the remote. And he's like, I wonder what this big red button does. <laughs> well, remember he said, he said, I w-, he goes, I hope this thing, because the laser pointer on his normal remote didn't work. And he goes, I wonder if this thing's got a laser pointer on it. I wonder if this big red button. <laughs> no. no. He, hit, he hit it. He dropped it. He started cursing. And then he actually picked it up and hit it again for some reason, which I don't know why he did. But <laughs> the whole, the, yeah, the whole room just went absolutely nuts. And uh, I can't. Uh, I That's just, a good. I, I like these. These are good stories. I, I need some. I couldn't. Hey, by the way, I couldn't tell Copen or anybody really. I always like to do these things and see the uh, natural reaction of my peers. But I definitely couldn't tell Copen because he literally, like, he cannot keep a straight face. Like, he would be laughing, thinking about it, not even anywhere near the live action of when it was going to happen. Matter of fact, <laughs> We did a mustache, man. Uh, it's coming up. I've, that's the next bullet. That's the next bullet, Matt. I, I saw this mustache, man, uh, com- uh, you know, commercial or segment or something that you guys did. And Matt, we might have to plug this in. If not, we'll link to it somewhere, like on the Instagram. Yeah, we'll get it. <laughs> this, this should be one take. That's it. Now, listen up, friends. Got a story to tell about a group of men who knew how to live well. They formed a team and they made a pact. We're big old boys that wear a mustache. Mustache! (laughs) (laughs) And it is hilarious, and he cannot hold it together. You held it together. You were a champion in that. You were just pushing through it, just trying to rally the troops, saying, guys, we got a game to play right now, basically, on this mustache man thing. And this guy can't even come close to holding it together. It was so, so ridiculous. Like, I mean... He actually made up a song during training camp. I just I don't know what it goes through his brain when he's in a meeting, but he comes out of the meeting. Hey, I got a song. I've seen yeah. the video. Where way, did it come it from? Was, what how this happen? It was the only thing I could do. So, like you know, back to my sleeping issue, I had to cr- have creative ways to keep myself awake so that I didn't get fired. I mean, my wife was always deathly afraid that it was either going to be a prank or the fact that I couldn't stay as- awake. That was going to get me fired and I wouldn't have a job anymore. So I would sit there and write lyrics to stupid songs. And, I, you know, a lot of them I thought were funny. They were terrible. This one, we kind of, it became our rallying cry. I remember shaving, going into training camp. And I thought, I'm going to leave a mustache. I'm going to walk in and see how ridiculous this looks. And I walk in the next day. We're laughing about it. A couple other guys in the line do it. So we write this song. And it becomes a you know it's not we it's you it's it's you stretch line the credit is we're having a good time with it and then when it came time for the Monday night crew or the Sunday night crew to come in and do the little headshot and hey I'm Matt Light Purdue University one of the guys (laughs) shooting it was like hey man what's with the mustache and I was like oh let me tell you and I started talking (laughs) about how it's a filtration device which by the way Copen. I, I talked to Yak McNasty of the Agroton Potato Band, yeah. who is my partner in crime on this this song. We're going to write a fourth verse, and it's going to talk a lot about how the mustache could save the world as it relates to COVID and, and filtration yeah. of yeah. the air around you. I mean, have you heard anything about people with mustaches dying from COVID-19? Mm-mm. No. Nope. No. I don't think so. That's, exactly. I'm growing a beard is right Tom, now. Is I'm Tom Selleck to still alive? I hope so, because he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my favorites, so let's hope. No, it's uh, Tom Selleck, Ron Burgundy. I, 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 you're going to turn into Garth Brooks, like that mysterious last verse from, uh, what is it? Um, Friends in Low Places. Friends in right? Low Places, that mysterious mm-hmm. last verse. You're going to complete yeah. the chapter. We're going to do it. So mustache men was a thing. We had a lot of fun. Coke couldn't, he could I couldn't. Not, to save his life, could not keep it together. But well, you know what? No, no, no. The other fun, awesome the, the other thing about that, I was 23 years old. I could, I could, I couldn't even grow a beard at that point, let alone a mustache. I mean, I think it's harder to grow a mustache than a beard. And then we had Russ on there. Who's Russ Hochstein was yep. patches. He couldn't, he couldn't grow a beard. No, it was, it was a group of maybe yours was good. Steve Neal's was good. 
Steve's but was good. I was I wasn't more embarrassed than being on there because I don't even think you could see my mustache. Steve looked just like Ambrose Burnside. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Couple Tip, episodes you know that, ago, you know who that is? I I don't, but I'm I'm going to a couple episodes ago when you said Steve Neal's the toughest guy that you know. Oh, is, that, can, is that accurate? He said he's the tough, maybe the toughest guy he knows, like just a, a rugged guy. I, I would I I would not I would not mess with not him. mess with him. Maybe that's no, the right he, way. He he has an unbelievable ability to be able to pull off anything athletically that he has to do, whether that's hurdling a guy. On a screen, um, he he's the only man I've ever heard of or seen that could fall down in front of a defender and get back up and still be in front of the guy and still complete his block. Yeah. I, I don't know how that's possible. That shouldn't be possible, but Steve Neal could do it. He could do it. Well, Steve Neal's getting a lot of praise Steve on this Neal podcast a, so far. Steve Neal, was, Steve Neal was a badass. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what he could do with his weight and throw it around, and then you're right, he could pass block on his knees and he'd still be in the right position. It was Scar. Scar, remember Scar always saying, "Is like Steve, like I teach you this technique, but sometimes with you, I just let you go out and do what you want." Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, he. I think he, he actually broke Dante, which yeah, is the one impossible. guy. <laughs> well, who was the one guy that you? didn't look forward to like who gave you a bad week during the season man without a doubt every single time and we typically played him twice a year was Dwight Freeney and I and I've talked a lot about him you know since I retired I didn't really want to talk about him while I played because <laughs> he had enough of an advantage <laughs> he had your was, number but, he had your yeah. number so yeah in retirement though and as a matter of fact I was just talking about him the other day I think you know, look, if, if if I was the one that had to crown the greatest defensive end to play the game, I wouldn't even hesitate. And I wouldn't even ask to debate it. I would just say Dwight Freeney is the greatest. And then somebody would say, why? Why is Dwight Freeney the greatest? And it's real simple. And I, and I, and I like to boil things down to the lowest common denominator. If you look at defensive ends in the National Football League, and, and, it, and if you look at all the things they do, yeah, there's a lot of things that they do to be effective pass rushers and win in the run game and all that stuff. And you can judge it by a lot of different categories, right? I don't think stats come close to telling the story of Dwight Freeney. That said, he's got some pretty remarkable stats. Longevity, right. sacks, you know, big game moments where he was, uh, you know, causing fumbles, this, that, strip sacks, whatever it is, right? But what makes him unbelievably unique is this. If you're a defensive end in the National Football League and you have one move, just one, <laughs> that is effective consistently, not all the time because nobody has one move that always works, but if you have one move that consistently beats other people, you are a pro bowler. Mm -hmm. And if you do it year in and year out, you're a perennial pro bowler. Dwight Freeney had three, not one, not two, but three moves that were as good as they get, and he consistently won at them. So that's why I put him at the top of the list. As a matter of fact, the reason the stats don't tell the story is because we typically had more than just a set of eyeballs looking for Dwight Freeney. I can remember, and Cope will remember this too, where Dwight Freeney, I pass set to him, I go to hit him, he spins past me to the interior of the line. He then meets up with... The, one of the greatest wingmen to ever play the game ever, Logan. Mr. Logan Mankins, who goes to hit him. He spins past Logan. Copen is standing there in the center of the line. I got him. He goes to hit him. He <laughs> spins past Cope and still comes within inches of knocking the ball out of Tommy's hand. So, not so one, that's the kind of player he was. Not one, not two, but three spin moves. Yeah. He needed he needed to watch the tape a little bit. You guys need that's the problem. He said he missed a lot of tape. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you would have seen those those triple spin moves in the in the tape. That guy, I, it, it it was uncanny how fast he could do it. You could not get your hands on him. So that's the guy that had your number. That's a, that's a question that we asked a lot of people. So that not a number because he did a. I mean, he dang, or just he, well, he made it to three Pro Bowls too. Let's not true, sell him short. Sure, it's not but, like he's a. But if if. It's it's the person he doesn't want to line up. But against. there's always that help. So like when you get that guy on the outside, you know, light knows he's going to have Mankins in his back pocket mm -hmm. all week. So he can sort of overset him a little bit and invite that spin move. But the problem was when you got that guy out there and is that good and can do two or three of them right in a row. <laughs> he's pirouetting. Right he's going past two or three different guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. And 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 again, to to my point earlier, 
you know, when you go against the best, it forces you obviously to rise to the occasion. And I'll never forget the revelation. You know, I've been playing Dwight, you know, I think he came in the league in 2003. So I had a couple years on him. Uh, there's a guy named Brackett that used to play that yeah. position for Indy. Yeah. And I, I know I, I enjoyed uh, dominating him a lot more than going against Freeney. Yeah, but they moved him inside when Freeney got there. That's right. That's right. He became a little bit of that interior walk-around guy, too. Yep. So the thing about him, though, I remember vividly when I figured out how I needed to set Dwight Freeney. And, and it changed my game. Like, I, I remember thinking, if I can keep my shoulders – really square to the line of scrimmage, which, you know, you kind of need to do that anyway. But with a guy like Dwight Freeney, once I figured it out, it's not like I, I, I negated all the stuff he did. He still won, yeah. but it, I, I just remember thinking like, this is how I need to play this guy. And it became really an effective part of my game going against him. And, uh, and that's what those kind of guys do. I mean, they, they elevate you to another level. If you have enough time to weather that storm. Mm-hmm. Now, Light does a lot of uh, a lot of good work in the community. He has his own foundation, Matt Light Foundation, uh, leadership, mentorship, uh, getting kids outside and solving problems on their own. Does a lot of cool charity events up here. Skate with the greats, like ice skate or playing a game with the old Boston Bruins. Uh, shootout at Addyville uh, where they're shooting sporting clays. Like, you want to plug that? Talk about that a little bit and what you guys got going on in the foundation. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I always love talking about it. I mean, it's, um, I think for me, it's really the legacy that I want to be able to, you know, leave behind um, for, for my kids. And it's really the the thing that I've gotten the most enjoyment out of. I don't remember a whole lot of the the plays on the field unless it was like a fight or a really cool moment. Or you messed um, up completely. We never, we, which, which we, we, we never we, remember the good stuff. Yeah, no. I, and I can't even remember like, even some of the biggest moments until I go back and watch it again. But I'll tell you the work we do through the life foundation and the kids that we've been able to meet and the impact that we've been able to have, you know, on, on not just the community here in new England, but also back home where I'm from has been incredible. I mean, all the success and the super bowls and the victories and the Patriot way that created all these opportunities for us on the field has done so much for us off the field. And, you know, so many guys took advantage of that and and we did as well, right? Through the Light Foundation, we were able to take, you know, those really cool moments and 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 raise money and and put together a mission where we're now serving over 7,500 kids through um, our Chinawith Trails facility in Ohio. We bring in kids from all over the country. It's outdoor-based programming. We do it through um, really under the umbrella of the Light Foundation Leadership Academy. And we do it in some really unique ways, right? Because you're competing for, for you know, marketing space with yeah. all these other things that kids have. You know, it's they're, they're glued to devices. And, and how do you get kids to really tap in, as, as, as Buddy would say, right, Cope? Like, yeah. how do you get kids who really want to, you know, step outside the box and do something a little bit, you know, less comfortable than the easy way. And and we do that through timber framing camps where, you know, we're teaching kids to work together and use ancient tools and craft things with their hands and then have the sense of accomplishment and looking at it and saying, holy smokes. And for example, this summer, we held all of our camps. You know, even in this crazy time, we were able to get kids together and, and they built a massive tree house. Right. 25 feet off the ground. So, you know, we love that kind of work and uh, we've been blessed, you know, to, to have the events and the success that we've had because of really, quite honestly, the success we had on the field. Is this how you compete now? Kind of, you know, like you want to met, like you want to be the best at mentoring kids now. I mean, everybody, like when you're done playing, you know, I mean, I, I try to play a ton of golf. Like right. That's the way, like, that's my like competitive outlet. And, you know, I think we need that. And Dan does too. I know that. Is that, is that how you do it? Or what other ways do you compete now that you're off the field? You know, yeah, actually that, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, um, it is, it, I would definitely say that it is, you know, a, a very competitive outlet for me. I mean, that and, I spent a lot of time chasing animals in yeah, the woods. We, um, we, we can, can tell. Yeah, yeah we can see behind you. Some probably just came out of a stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, really, um, gosh, you know, I'm on a quest 
in life to to really speak truth, right? Like, like you know, we dummy down so many things. You think about the game of football. I've said this publicly, and it's probably ruffled a, a number of feathers. But That's probably why you didn't last at ESPN. The, the game of football is not the same today, and I don't think that's a good thing. You know, the 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 messages that kids receive today is not the same as it was when I was growing up, and I don't think that's a good thing. You know, the the breaking down of the family unit, the idea that, you know, you really don't have to compete and everybody should get a ribbon and all these things that, you know, I think that we've seen morph into things that aren't really helping kids right. needs to go back, in, in my opinion, to those lessons that we all got to learn from our uncles and our aunts and people that have impacted our lives. And so, you know, it is competitive for me because I know that when you really work hard at something and you put your heart and soul into it, you may not always get everything you wanted out of it, but the satisfaction of doing it is something that a lot of kids, they, they, they've never seen that in other realm. You know what I mean? So mm. yeah, man, I, I love the work we do. It's very competitive. And by the way, the nonprofit world as a whole is extremely competitive. I mean, here you are with your handout saying, hey, I've got a great mission. Well, so do a million other people. Right. What makes you any any different? Right. So right. you got to be competitive just to make it. We don't get state grants, federal dollars. We got to go out there and earn it through our events like the shootout and uh, mm -hmm. you know the Bruins alumni game and things like that. But we love doing it. So right. it's been an awesome time. Well, we had a talk the other day about you just saying like kids don't struggle enough or they haven't failed. So they don't understand how to like work through own, their own problems. Yep. Yep. Like, are you yeah. agree? I would say this of the 15 major surgeries I've had, you know, those lowest moments are what really propelled me to some of the best moments of my life. You know, like being in a hospital for a long time, 30 days straight, not being able to eat or drink a drop. And then, you know, being able to work back from that and, and, and know how thankful I am just to have a day where I can eat, just to have a day where I don't have pain. You know, um, it's amazing what, you know, failure does if you if you have the right mindset and if you have the people around you too. So many times the kids we work with, it's not just the fact that they struggle with things that a lot of other kids struggle with, but they a lot of them struggle with the fact that nobody's really in their corner. So, you know, that that's why I think it's really important today that, you know, we take the time to work with young people and speak truth to them and hold them accountable. Well, he's been doing that his whole career. This foundation has been going strong since I was there. He's always been supporting the kids. And, uh, you know, really, you look at some other foundations out there, you can actually look at the breakdown of the dollars that go to the kids, actually. This foundation is completely opposite. Everything really goes to the kids, and uh, it's out, out there helping support the kids. Phase two of the career. It's an important No, one. it's a good phase. So, absolutely. What absolutely. about um, – I mean, this is a completely different off-topic thing. <laughs> Just from the important uh, discussion that we had, what's your favorite Gatorade color? We ask everybody this, Matt. It's a very important I question. I mean, it tells a lot about this a person. This is kind of our last question, so that tells a lot about them. Don't get it wrong. This is So this is literally a recurring theme on the show. Yeah, it's yes. our one recurring theme. We're still working through a lot of things. I can't get this <laughs> one wrong. You're an early guest here, so yeah. I can't get this wrong. You can't get it this wrong. This is from the heart. This is 100% true. I'm not trying to tell you what you want to hear. I have always been and will always be the classic orange Gatorade guy. It's the first orange. First orange that we've the had. First. We've had a few. We've got a lot of pro guys that we've talked to. It's you know what? One. You know what his is? His is red. Unbelievable. Red is oh, just a bad That's my second. Pick. That's my second. No, no, yeah. no. Stay away from the red. Crazy. Ye ye the yellow red. just looks like pee. Well, yellow is yeah. delicious. No, no yellow. No, no yellow. yellow. Always yellow. I, I, Always I go yellow. red, orange. I'm with light. Okay. Well, orange is the even, first one on the orange. Don't even get me started on the clear one. No. The or, one that has no color. Or it's all like the new stuff. flavors, but yeah. you don't really know what it is. It's all or healthy. G2. G2. Ugh. Ugh. Give me the originals. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, thanks yeah. for joining us. Appreciate awesome. it. That was fun. Hopefully we can talk again. But if you're uh, interested in the Matt Light Foundation, go to mattlight72.com. All the information is up there about their different programs and events that they're uh, they're carrying on throughout the year. And happy holidays, my friend. Well, very Merry Christmas to you guys. And uh, 
you know, maybe next time we do this, there'll be some pictures, you know, in the background. No, and, we're not going to leave it blank. Hey, but I do need to, I need to talk to him offline eventually to get some dirt on this guy because he's all over me. Our guests are even saying, hey, are you going to fight back with him eventually? I'm like, I don't have any dirt yet. I'll, I need to build some. So you might get a call here sometime there's, soon. There's no dirt. To load it up. Anytime. Listen, I've got um, an eight terabyte. <laughs> eight terabyte hard drive with enough to sink about yes. anyone I ever played. Yeah, that's actually, what we need. Actually, if so, you could get your hands on that, that would be deadly. That's what we need. That's not a good. Hey, why, why don't you do your next show with Matt Castle? Okay. Oh, oh he's yeah, on the yeah, list. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's a dead man. Yeah, I've already I've talked to him about that. If you, if you want to get into it, we can. But I, I mean, I, I still don't want to let the cat out of the bag. To be honest with you, I'm scared. I'm scared. Like, so just don't press record. Then is what you're saying. Matt, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you do something during your career and you deem it like, hey, this goes to the grave. What does that mean? It goes to the yeah. grave. That's yeah, like, what that means. And, and the fact that he made up such a ridiculous story is is beyond me. I mean, like, and and he would just throw it out there. I just can't believe that he would try to paint such a terrible picture of something that clearly didn't happen. But I would say for you guys, do an interview with him sooner than later because he's probably not going to be around much longer. Oh boy, it's <laughs> a good idea. There's some, there, Appreciate there's, it, there's, Matt. There's some excellent explanations that need to be. Uh... Need to have him. Need, we need to have. Need him. to have right now. Perfect. All right, yeah. buddy. Thank Thanks you for coming on. All right, Appreciate guys. it. See you, boss. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, later. Pastar Prime is brought to you by Squad Locker. Squad Locker is your one-stop shop for custom team apparel, delivered right to your front door. Learn more by visiting squadlocker.com.